Hey everybody, welcome to this week's edition Live Room Lockdown Bearcats. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day right here on Lockdown Bearcats. We're of course part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every single day, free and available everywhere you get your podcast. Cincinnati beating Virginia Tech last night in the NIT, 81-72. to They will play Hofstra on Saturday in the second round, the Sweet 16, if you will, of the NIT. It was an exciting game last night. Uh, Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated, going to join me as he does every week here on Lockdown Bearcats. We're going to talk about the win last night. We'll also talk about what happened last weekend in the conference tournament, and we will also talk about the <clears throat> excuse me the um, football spring practice and if Scott Satterfield is actually entering a better situation than he had at Louisville. So, a lot to get to today. Bearcats, of course, the NIT, not what we wanted, but they did get the win last night in a good way. In a very good way, 81-72, to 72, they will advance to take on Hofstra. That is currently a road game on Saturday, 2 o'clock on ESPN+, Plus, according to Chad Brindle, who tweeted it out last night. But there is obviously a lot at stake for the Bearcats. Last night's game was was fun. It was entertaining. It was competitive. I thought the Bearcats did an excellent job competing, winning 81 to 72. And this is their first NIT win in 13 years, which is good because they haven't had to play in it. And also good because they are winning games and they still have an opportunity to they still have an opportunity to keep playing. And with that we bring in the man, the myth, the legend of locked, or excuse me, all Bearcats. Clearly, I'm with it. All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. That would be none other than Russ Heltman. Russ, how was the atmosphere last night uh, at the game? You were there. Right? I was not. I was not. I had to get my sleep. Those 4:30 wake-ups. Not be, not going to be making many 9 p.m. tips, if any, for the rest of my UC coverage. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to disclose this because you did. I also was not there, and Russ, I fell asleep during the game because, like you, I have to get up at 4 a.m. So between what we do and these 9 o'clock tips, we're going to do our best to break it down. But, Russ, it was fun. I woke up at midnight last night, and I'm like, okay, did we win? And we did. And then, obviously, seeing the Orlando Brown news was, was good. But uh, we're going to break it all down for you right here on Lockdown Bearcats. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Not only that, but I just got home from work, so I'm also having my lunch while we do this. Thanks so much for making Locked On Bearcats. Clearly, I'm with it. Uh, your first listen every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel and follow it to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Lockdown Bearcats. I don't think we have a title sponsor today, actually, because this is for Thursday. No, we do not. So uh, there you go. He is Russ Heldman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. I'm Alex Frank, your host of Lockdown Bearcats each and every day, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Russ. 
First question to you, Cincinnati winning last night 81-72 to over Virginia Tech. Uh, what's your biggest takeaway from the game? When Landers Nolly hits the glass, Alex, this Bearcats team is unbeatable. Statistically, they are unbeatable when Landers Nolly gets double-doubles in a Bearcat uniform. 6-0 and now this season when Landers Nolly uh, posts 10-plus rebounds and 10-plus points. He was all over the glass against Maryland – or not Maryland. I'm watching Maryland on my TV screen out here. Different Same ACC here. team. <laughs> Virginia Tech. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and, yeah. The uh, 42-29 rebounding advantage spar- spurred on by the 12 rebounds from Landers Nolly, one of his best performances on the glass all season. He did a great job on box outs throughout the entire night. It really was a huge bonus against a kind of shorter, not as big front line out of Virginia Tech. Grant Basile obviously can score a lot, but not going to give you a, a lot of issues in terms of defensive impact uh, close to the basket or in terms of a lot of offensive rebounds, which the Bearcats, I think, won that battle 13-6, to gave themselves a lot of good uh, second-chance opportunities, and that rebounding acumen was a big reason why they were able to take out Virginia Tech on uh, on the fir- in the first round of the NIT, along with some great free-throw shooting overall across the uh, entire roster. Yeah, it was really um, – I'm looking at the stats right now. It was a good Bearcats win because you mentioned 13-7 to on the offensive boards – Four of those from Oguama and blocking each. 42-29 uh, rebounding the total leading rebounder, Landers Nolly. He had 12 in addition to 15 points, 5 of 13 from the field. Odie Oguama, or I'm sorry, Victor Locken leading the way with eight rebounds and nine points and near, excuse me, double-double. So let me ask you um, this, Russ. So the Bearcats are moving on. They're playing a home game, or not a home game, well, they're the – really the home team, higher seed, but they're playing at Hofstra on Saturday. Is there any way this game is a home game for Cincinnati? No chance. Absolutely no chance, unfortunately, for the Bearcats faithful. I know there's been some chatter about maybe doing it at U.S. Bank Arena or Heritage Bank Arena now. Two thumbs down to that. The Cyclones are in town for a couple giveaways this weekend. And then you'd have to like the only other close arena would be, I guess, NKU. You could try to put together some kind of deal, but that's just, that's such a short amount of time. You have to get this location figured out so quickly. That just was not going to be in the cards. And then you're not going to go to Xavier and play it at CentOS center. So the fact that you just kind of don't really have any options, they have to get this floor redone. It's been in the works for a long time now. It's been a set schedule that they want to do to finish this floor. And it has to get done before, uh, the graduation ceremonies, I believe, in May. So there's just not a wide, wide window, and there's not enough time to push back that project and be able to get this um, unforeseen home game opportunity in the fold for the Bearcats. I know it stinks for the fans. I know yeah, that atmosphere is. last night. I'm upset that it was at 9 p.m. because I really wanted to be there for that, considering all of the cheap lower bowl tickets that were available to the salt-of-the-earth Bearcats fans. They really upped the in- in the energy in that building last night. And I think it helped the Bearcats facing a four-point second-half deficit to really turn it on in those final 20 minutes and get that victory. It's unfortunate. you got to go to Hofstra, the eighth seed, to play them at their place. But got to get that floor done ahead of Big 12. Got to make sure that thing's brand spanking new, looking nice and shiny ahead of that new league. And I was just going to say, Russ, the next home game now for Cincinnati basketball is going to be when they're in the Big 12. So you know what? That's the silver lining here. Um and I do think, and I remember 2013, Russ, I mean, if Bearcat fans are upset, I remember Kentucky uh, was in the NIT. They were the number one seed. They had to go to Robert Morris, the eight seed, 
a road game. Why? Because Rupp Arena was hosting first round, first and second round games of the NCAA tournament. Um, which, by the way, was after. that's even colder though, isn't it? Like that's just an extra twist of the knife. You're not even in the NCAA tournament, then you can't even use your own arena because the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Oh, how about that? No, and Russ, what's what's even colder is Louisville was the overall number one seat, so they got to play in Rupp Arena. Even worse, yeah. Like that. So, that's a tough. That's a tough. That's a tough week for the for the Wildcat faithful. About to uh, there's no question. Um, so I haven't talked to you, Russ, since the tournament last week, and I know you got a lot of thoughts on that. I do too. Uh, we're going to talk about that, and I want to ask you something about Scott Satterfield that I, I thought about. I read Justin's piece in the Athletic that you told our, our listeners to read last week. It was really, really good, really insightful, and I've got some got some thoughts on it. So we'll get into all that after I tell you how this episode of Locked On Bearcast, this live room, is brought to you by FanDuel. Russ, I'm sure you've made some bets today with the uh, first day of the first full day of the tournament with Fanduel too. Miss Fanduel bets. See there, there you go. See, you, mean, you, me, and James know what's up. Uh, the midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and three straight. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance and a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Been bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com. Slash lockdown to learn more. That's fanduel.com slash lockdown to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, thanks for making Locked On Bearcats your first listen every day. A little later today um, due to our work schedules because that's how we roll here. Uh, but anyway, we're here. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Grab your bracket and go listen to the Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown with national analysis and the insights from our local experts. The Locked On College Basketball Bracket Breakdown has everything you need to make the most informed decisions on your bracket. Find the episode on Locked On College Basketball wherever you get your podcast, including on YouTube. Back here. Locked on Bearcats, Alex Frank, Russ Altman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. We are recapping the Bearcats 50, uh, 81 to 72. And I got distracted because the score of West Virginia, Maryland is tied at 54. If you're watching it right now, as you're listening to us, Virginia pulling away from Furman. And I don't know what the Utah State Missouri score is. I'll check on that here in just a minute. But anyway, Russ, um, the conference tournament last week, one day really good, Friday against Temple. Next day, I, full disclosure, turned the game off because I just, it was just too hard to watch. What happened, in your opinion, against Houston on Saturday? And you were awake for that game, right? Yeah, it, yeah I was able, okay. to, able to catch the entirety of that absolute drubbing. You would have rather, rather that be a 9 p.m. tip. But what was your biggest takeaway from that game? Uh, same old, same old. It's like I said, I don't even know if we got to dive into it that much. It's the same thing we've been talking about this team the entire year. When they go up against, that top tier competition, they don't quite have that fifth gear. They don't have that extra juice to be able to push them over the top. And this was even a little bit more alarming because what Marcus Sasser went down 
in was it the later part of the first half or middle was the portion early, of the first half? Like right around the early to middle. Well, yeah, I think it might have been about the 10-minute mark of the first half. And so you got 30 minutes of gameplay without their top player. And you see what Memphis is able to do in the ensuing game, beat them without Marcus Sasser. And I believe they led the entire game, wire to wire, Memphis did, over Houston in that AAC championship victory. So they're just not on the level of Houston or on the level of Memphis in terms of overall depth of talent and top-end talent. And I, I look kind of directly at David DeJulius. We've given him his flowers on this podcast tons of times. He deserves a ton of credit for being the leader that he's been in this program over the past three years. But Alex, he was horrific in that AAC tournament. Yeah. Just terrible. You could argue it was the worst two-game stretch he's had in his entire college basketball career. I believe he averaged wow. four and a half points or four and a half assists, like 3.5 points, shot 15% from the field. Like it was an unmitigated disaster, both games out of David DeJulius. I really thought he'd bounce back after the poor outing against Temple, and that just didn't really happen. The, the length, the physicality, the intensity that the Cougars bring on defense, highlighted by Jawan Roberts' immediate impact at the start of that one, was just too much for the Bearcats to overcome. And it's it's tough that the tenure of David DeJulius, after such a high high to close his home yeah. career in the regular season in the AAC, he's dropping 30 points. He can't even combine for 20 total in the ensuing two games. It's tough. That's a, yeah, that's telling. And I, I mean, watching that game on Saturday, seven points, one of 10 from the floor wasn't good. And I just didn't see the David DeJulius that we saw, as you mentioned, against SMU. The guy who was creating shots, was making shots, was making plays. I didn't see any of that in the conference tournament. And when you're in a game like that against the number one team in the country and you have to win, to keep your NCAA tournament hopes alive, you got to find a way for your best player to, to – I mean, he's got to – it can't go one of ten. That – it was so frustrating. Yeah, it's like if you don't See, got it, we don't need ten shots out of you, David. Every time the Julius does something, like the, the game winner against Central Florida – or the 30-point performance on senior day. I so want to say, okay, he's going to he's gonna lead them in big games. What has happened all season? He doesn't show up against Arizona. He doesn't show up against Ohio State. He doesn't show up against NKU. He doesn't show up against number one Houston in the conference in the conference tournament. It's some, I mean, it's a moot point now because, you know, the conference tournament's over. But, and, you know, in the NIT, I mean, any game could be his last game, but – I mean, that's an opportunity where you have to cement your legacy. And I think when all said and done, he's a top 25 Bearcat. But, man, Russ, that was just brutal to watch last Saturday. Now, yeah. and, and you know what? Hey, he can continue to kind of build off of that and, and put that behind him with performances like he had against Virginia Tech. 21 points goes, I think he missed two free throws, double-digit free throw attempts seven assists, six in the second half to kind of ice that yeah. game, getting back on that five-plus assist train, 18 of the past 19 games, five-plus assists. So we, we, we tore David down a little bit there, but he did come back and answer the bell pretty soundly against Virginia Tech. But in that good performance, still did not shoot very well. I think he was six of 16 last night. Yeah, six, still missed 10 six field of 16. And the, and the jump shot, Alex, I don't know if you noticed this, but it – it just seems a little short from David of late. He's he's not getting – I'm not seeing as much lift, and I'm not seeing kind of as fluid of a consistent crisp formation form out of David on his jump shot. Maybe it's the end of the season. 
A lot of minutes been played so far in his Bearcats career throughout. He's one of the highest minute players on the team. Maybe that has, a, has something to factor into it, but it, it's been notable over the last few days, a few games. It might. Yeah, you, you might be right. And I've, I've noticed that too. I noticed that on Saturday in the conference tournament. Let's talk about one player, though, who did show some promise, and that was Dan Skillings Jr., particularly in that Temple game on Friday, a 30-point win. Russ, how bright is his future as the Bearcats go into the Big 12? It's very bright, very bright. Pivotal, pivotal summer in the Monster Factory for Dan Skillings coming up. Pivotal summer on the practice floor for him coming up. I just think consistency, especially with his handle, just being able to have him create his own offense would be, I think, the next setup and step in his progression. And also just consistent timing with that jump shot, being able to get into a good form, get into a consistent rhythm. Last night got started well early. I think he made his first two baskets and then went 0 for 3 the rest of the game. So I think maybe got a little too ahead of his skis in that in that NIT opener against Virginia Tech after having some early success. I think just letting the game come to him and getting these extra opportunities. Like if they don't accept that invite, Dan Skillings doesn't get to experience that environment last night. Doesn't get to experience going down by four points in an elimination game in the postseason during a time where the team would be on spring break, kicking back on the beach or something like that. Instead, he's getting valuable, intense experience. And that's exactly what you want to have for a guy in Dan Skillings, who I think is going to be asked to, to be a big-time contributor next season, maybe one of the top three scorers on the team, if you want to make a little bold prediction on that front. I don't know if that's a bold prediction. I think that's actually a very reasonable prediction. I, it, I think that's one. That's probably something Bearcats fans are, are hoping and expecting to see, too, as yeah. being one of the top three players. Top Good three point. Um, any word on Nolly, Adams Woods, and Davenport and their futures, or is it too early to really have uh, anything definitive? Well, uh, who, who was it? Justin Williams, when we were doing our Tuesday presser with Coach Miller, he asked him, he's like, so there's some uh, – some some rumblings about you maybe looking at one of the Butler guards in the portal, one of these other guys, uh, a, a big man out of TCU, Eddie Lampkin, rumblings of the coaching staff reaching out to him on Twitter. And Wes goes, oh, I don't know. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about. We haven't reached out to anybody right now. I don't know. I don't know if I believe what you're hearing on Twitter. Uh, we're just focused on the season. I'm kind of paraphrasing right here, but he said we're focused on the season and like we're, we're focused on conversations with our guys. We want everybody back. We have not had those conversations yet, and we'll face that when we get to that in the offseason. It kind of felt like Wes was just trying to not necessarily lie outright, but deflect a little bit, make sure none of that comes back to the guys already on the roster and stuff like that. But to me, all signs and all messages have been, we want to have everyone back that has eligibility. So we'll see how many of those guys do actually end up returning. The big fish in the pond being Landers Nolly. And it makes it all the more interesting that Cincy Reigns starting to build up its coffers a little bit, asking for more donations from the Bearcats faithful. They're going to play a role some way, somehow, in making sure that Landers Nolly gets the best pitch possible to stay in Cincinnati as opposed to taking one of those opportunities that he should have, at least overseas, to go start playing professional basketball. Taking your question in the comments and chat, Russ Hellman with the insight, excuse me, as always here, on Locked On Bearcats, and we're going to switch gears to football. Um, I know you just recently did an interview with Mason Fletcher. If you haven't watched that, highly recommend. And we will get to um, a question I have for you 
about Scott Satterfield. We'll do that after we hear from two of our sponsors. Back here with Russ Heltman on Locked On Bearcats. I'm Alex Frank. He is Russ Heltman, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. So, Russ, um, what do, do you think, because the way I look at this, is Satterfield has a real opportunity to come into a more stable program and athletic department than he had at Louisville. Is that accurate? Yeah. I think, I think it's more stable situation, a thousand percent. Now, I don't know the exact details, so I'm not going to dive into what all was happening in Louisville, but you would think, given the climate of college football over the past three to four years versus what we expect, quote-unquote air quotes there, the climate of college football to look like over the next four seasons, there's a lot more cemented kind of knowledge about what we have on the horizon over the next four years than say four years ago when you're trying to project forward then. So I would agree with you there. This is an athletic department that's aligned. It's building up a relationship with a defined NIL collective that is running things by the book. That's headed up by a UC alum that wants to make sure they're doing things the right way and not getting UC in trouble. They've done all the vetting on that front. And to me, it seems like an athletic department, a coaching staff, a football staff in general, when you talk about recruiting down the line, all that stuff that is aligned and ready to drive forward in one direction after all these ducks start to get in a row once we get to the summer and have a completely solidified, cemented 2023 roster. How's the roster look to you right now? Like, is this a roster that is going to finish how the 2017 roster finished the last time there was a coaching change here, or is it going to be better? You mean in terms of like four and eight, three and nine? Yeah. Do do you fear that they could go four and eight or three and nine? It's possible. Yeah. I. I. It's very. I think. It, I think it's a range. It's to me is four to seven wins. I would be shocked if okay. they went three and nine, and I would be shocked if they went eight and four. Anything other than that, in inside of that little medium, wouldn't surprise me at all. I think it's just it's hard to see the top end, top tier playmaking talent on this team like it's been there in those defined AAC championship seasons of years past, the 2019, 2020, 2021 stretch. It's just a little harder. And even compared to 2022, it's a little harder to see that and feel that top end talent, especially, I mean, we're not going to really know it for sure until those pads really start cooking in fall camp this, uh, this August, but obviously we got a lot of shows to talk about things before we get there. Yeah, no kidding. Spring game on the 15th. Spring practice uh, picks back up next week. So is it true, and I read this in Justin's piece, is it true that Satterfield doesn't cuss? I have not heard him cuss on the field. I haven't heard him yell once, really, wow. on the field. He just kind of – really is. He kind of oversees the practice. He lets his – he. I mean, the guy has hired his assistants to do these jobs. He's hired his assistants – to be able to run their groups, be able to run their offensive group, their position groups, and be able to coach football. So he kind of lets his staff do his thing. He has his, his play sheet ready to roll. He's sitting there observing ke- keenly and making notes from time to time. But, yeah, there's not like a helicopter parent type of vibe from Scott Scatterfield at practice. It's similar to kind of how I watched Luke Fickle conduct practice. He wasn't super vocal all the time. He did a lot of just hanging around in the background, perusing, and then I'm sure – taking all that information he's taking in and, and shopping it up with his staff once they're going through practice recaps and all that stuff. Wow. 
Haven't heard him yell once. Is that good? Is that do you think that's effective? Is that gonna lead the Bearcats to you know play the the style of football we're used to seeing them playing? Like, are you you know worried that it's kind of too relaxed? I mean, what are you thinking? See, Alex, I'm one of those guys that just cannot stand the cliche. Gotta burn the midnight oil. Can't go see your family. Gotta be football, 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 sports, sports, sports all the time. That's so boring. That's such a dull way to live your life. Human, The human experience is about experiencing things outside of work, having a bunch of different interests, having a bunch of different avenues to express yourself. And I think so far, the lax, not necessarily lax, but kind of calmed down vibe of the program is a good sign. Now it's all going to come down to wins and losses. And if they don't win any Big 12 titles under Scott Satterfield, if they don't win nine-plus games one time under Scott Satterfield, then yes, of course the relaxed attitude is going to be twisted around and pushed as a bad thing. But it's the same thing as if they do win, if they do have a lot of success. That relaxed attitude is going to be lauded. It's going to be praised. It's going to be look at Scott Satterfield. He lets his staff go home and see his fa- see their families. He lets his staff go to his family's birthday parties. He's a hero in college sports. So it's just about winning. It's just about the results on the field. And we're going to find out just how good those results are, given the fact that this mentality at an, AAC, an ACC school in a much more volatile climate in college sports didn't work out obviously the way that the staff wanted yeah. to, or else they would still be at Louisville building a juggernaut in the ACC. Interesting point. Very interesting point there. Um, that We got a lot to, to done today. I'm going to post this. Uh, if you missed this, I'll post it in podcast form, and it'll be up on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Next week, we'll, we'll focus on the defense because I think what's really interesting is at Louisville, when Satterfield was there, it wasn't the offense that was the problem. It was the defense that was the problem. They lost. I mean, they were in a lot of high-scoring games that they did not win. We'll touch on that next week. Uh, don't doesn't look like we have any questions, comments in the chat. That's okay. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of every day. For your second listen, check out our brand-new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball Experts, Isaac Shade and Andy Patton, bring you everything you need to know on and off the court, plus – Hear from big-name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape, Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Russ, uh, how many brackets did you fill out this year? How many pools are you in? One. One bracket. Just filled out one. one. Br- that's what I usually one do. Bracket. One Who bracket. Do you have, who's, in, who's in the final four? That's, uh, that's the obvious question. UConn. I'm riding with my future from early in January, rolling with the Huskies. Not very confident in it, but why not? Wait, you're saying you have UConn winning the whole thing? Yeah. Wow. Then again, five of the last six Final Fours in the state of Texas have been won by big schools, three of them by the UConn Huskies. So there you go. Did not know that. But that, that. that uh, my future loves the sound of that That stat right there, Alex. They love that. So what about you? I, Who's your now, national I champ? I one out. Okay. It, I mean, it depends on which racket you're asking about. I have – Okay, your top I national champ. I see I everybody making a bunch of brackets. Give me your top national top? championship pick. Okay, all right. Okay, in the most brackets, the most the team I have the winning the most is actually Purdue. Purdue Boilermakers. We couldn't be further apart. I got Purdue losing in the second round. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I'll actually be at that game 
well, if it happens, Purdue versus Memphis. For all we know, Fairleigh Dickinson could pull an upset tomorrow night against the Purdue Boilermakers. So, do one bracket. Now, Russ, I don't know if you know the, the history. This is the 40th anniversary of Survive in Advance. So, I did pick NC State to win one of them. Just for that alone. There you go. And then I and then I and then I was fun, moving my mouse. For sure. I, I moved my mouse around and I randomly picked a team. I, I, whatever team my, my mouse on my computer landed on, that's what I was going to pick to win. And that team was San Diego State. All right, I like it. So, I like it. March Madness is here, people. Should be a lot of fun over the next few. Yes, weeks. Yes, it is. And uh, Russ is on Twitter at Russ Hellman eleven. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an A T I. Instagram Alex Frank now underscore an email. Alex three Frank at Gmail. Excuse me. Dot com. Russ, this is fun. We'll do it again. Uh, well, we'll see. Because I mean, now you and I both work the morning shift, so yeah, we'll roll see. it roll it out again next Thursday, like the two p.m. start time. It's next good. Thursday, two p.m. Yeah, in time to start. Russ, thank you as always. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Of course, of course. More nit basketball for the Bearcats. The season rolls. Bearcats on. and Hofstra on Saturday, two p.m. on ESPN Plus. I'm Alex Frank for Locked On Bearcats. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Back tomorrow right here on Lockdown Bearcats.